and it'll change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Change can bring worry and fear, but God can bring good from all. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host for the next hour. I believe you'll find it entertaining, hopefully informative, and it'll be oh, just another nice afternoon in Chico. Since they moved the tax season to July this year from April, it's been pretty busy at work, so I'm busy looking forward to a crazy couple of weeks getting everybody finished or extended, and the extension still goes to October. Uh, Last I heard, they weren't going to extend past October. So in the old days, you would do the extension in April, and the extension would last till October. Uh, This year, the extension that we may do in July for some clients also goes to October. Of course, I'll double-check that before I uh, confirm it, but I believe they didn't go further than October. That would get a little messy if they let you go too far into the year when there's another year coming up right away. Other than that, not a lot of news. Anybody that is looking to apply for a, it's called an EIDL loan, the disaster loan from the SBA, they, for a while, the SBA cut out everybody but agricultural businesses, but about, I think, two or three weeks ago, they brought it back to all businesses. If you have a business and you want to request a grant and a loan, I believe they don't give grants without a loan attached. If you need to borrow money, you can go back to the SBA and look for the EIDL loan and grant. It is now available again to all businesses, not just agricultural businesses. That's something that may be new since the last time I spoke on that topic. Today I have a returning guest. It's always fun to talk local business with a local business person. You've heard him before if you've been listening to Business Buzz. It's local attorney Scott Hubbard. He's always got something interesting to talk about. And I'm always, I'm always curious asking him about his business things. So we might as well get started since I don't have that much new news for everybody on the tax front. How are you, Scott? Yeah. You need a wider, deeper pool of friends to invite <laughs> yeah. over here to come talk. I actually have quite a few people, but uh, some of them are not as available as you seem to be. <laughs> right. One of the joys of being retired. <laughs> I'm not unemployed. I'm retired. <laughs> no, but seriously, how is uh, how is the legal business these days? You know, the legal business makes up such a small... Ah, dang it. I have to... Talking to the microphone. Let yes, you do. My Sorry. It's one of the requirements of I being know. here. And I just yell real loud. No, the legal business is really such a small aspect of how we make money anymore. It's just, is my microphone not on? I think you are. Is my microphone not on? Because that's really the best way to listen to me if my okay. microphone's not on. Um, but no, I spent, I spent the, the entire day tracking down people we're, we're trying to build an apartment complex here in town oh and uh, yeah this okay. uh, sorry folks technical difficulties okay great thank you <laughs> you know that might be the first time in my life someone actually accused me of being too quiet <laughs> that's true uh, I know they didn't think that in law school. No, they didn't. God, they said some real nasty <laughs> things about me in law school. I, stuff I can't repeat on the air. And it wasn't swear words either. They were just, it was just mean. And you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I know. I, I, made, I made fun of her, of the diamond ring that her fiance gave her for uh, our fourth year. And boy, oh boy, never do that. I learned, I learned that lesson the hard way. Did you still have your long hair at that point? I did. Like in the hair? Oh, 
No, I, I liked it. I thought the long hair was cool. I'm actually thinking about growing my hair long again because, you know, with the whole COVID-19 yeah, and the barbershops hard and to get everything. Into. And yeah. I thought to myself, you know, it takes two years to grow a ponytail. I'm already 12.5% of the way there. Why not just bite the bullet and grow it back again? How does that work in front of the uh, Ninth it's Circuit? Lots of L.A. style hair gel. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this is what you're seeing right now. It right. is like football helmet hard. I right. put at least a handful or two in, and that's how you you get by it. But no, I mean, if you do did have a ponytail in front of the Ninth Circuit, would they care? You could tuck it in. Oh, okay, you can like put it in your jacket so they wouldn't know. But <laughs> yeah, they they cared. Who who would have thought that these crusty old judges appointed during the Reagan administration would would be so touchy about long hair? Right. Well, you know, the decorum of a courtroom and all that is <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> don't, don't the female attorneys, can they wear pantsuits and stuff? Anyone can wear pantsuits. Okay. I could wear a pantsuit if okay. I wanted so to. So that is, that's I could that's wear a okay. dress too, you know. You don't have to wear a tie though if you don't want to. J.D. Zink is the only attorney I know who can get away with showing up to court and not wearing a tie. J.D. Zink is so well-respected and well-regarded, at least in this community. Or maybe he just doesn't give a flying fig anymore. But he can. He actually shows up in a uh, without wearing a tie, and I just think, you know what? I suppose I wouldn't take that chance. Yeah, if I've been practicing law for forty some odd years too, I'll stop wearing a tie. Right. But until that day comes, you know, because I've only been going twenty two decades. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. but even then, I, law is is less and less what we're working on anymore. Now it's it's mostly business deals. You know. I spent my my morning tracking down my neighbors on these properties I own because the CCNR say we can't develop, uh, we can't add apartments. Oh, I was going to say, no. So this is within the city limits? This is within the city of Chico. And you're zoned for apartments, is that right? We are, but here's the, here's the kicker. Uh, even though there's apartments across the street from us and a church and uh, small homes, uh, or single-family homes next door to us, the um, the airport commission has started to reject multifamily family homes in that particular area, along with senior res- residential areas. And I say starting to with respect to other areas. And while I can only speculate why, I think they don't like the thought of potentially a plane crashing into them. And so, is this in the Burnap area? I don't know where the Burnap area it's is. It's between uh, I go by Lassen and Cohasset. There's a little road called Burnap that connects them. It might be. Yeah, near Lupin and all that. And so there's the um, the airport commission has to approve all of the um, all of the uh, developments within a sphere of influence around the uh, airport oh. for obvious reasons, because you know they have planes flying in, and the last thing they want to do is put an orphanage at the base of the runway in case something goes bad. Right. Which absolutely, I get 100%. Right. Yeah, so, I, so what are the arguments being used to fight your apartment building? Oh, we haven't applied with them yet. Oh. You know, so, but it's just one more thing that we have to deal with that, you know, a law degree comes into play. Right. So even though I, uh, even though my uh, legal practice is, is dwindling fast, the my application a lot to circumstances like this. Right. Like finding the CCNRs, reading CCNRs and figuring out, well, okay, the the CCNRs and for I for those of you who don't know what CCNR stands for, neither do I. But <laughs> Covenant something and restrictions. Yeah, but it's basically the rules that a bunch of property owners agree to live by when they're uh developing land and the CCNRs for this Particular land was we're only going to build offices, and fifty years later, the land you know is more suitable for apartments instead of offices. So I have to ask my landlords or my neighbors, do you mind if we build an apartment next to these other apartments or across next to these single-family homes and across the street from these other apartments in these churches? And by and large, most of them have been receptive to the ideas because they open their eyes and and see. But you have to read those CCNRs and figure out how many landlords do I need? What can I build and what can't I build? How's the process? If it does get approved, what do I do? Right. You know, so. That's where a lot of the cost is involved. The actual cost of the land and the buildings themselves is one issue. But you're dealing with tons of oh. permits 
legal. I mean, you're a lawyer, so you can do some of that yourself, but you have to do all the filing fees and all that. I have a newfound respect for developers. You know? Because of what they go through, right? And the upfront costs. Right. You know, when, you, when you're talking about you're building land, okay, what are you building? You're going to need an architect. You're going to need an engineer. You're going to need approval from the city. You're going to need to make sure that you've dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and not you know, make sure the zoning's held for it. And so, and then there's the legal stuff that always comes into play. And then there's the environmental impact reports. And the neighbors. And the neighbors. And, and, the neighbors. Yeah. and you haven't, and you haven't even like kicked over a single rock, rock and started dig, uh, building yet. Right. And all this has to be done in advance. And so, holy smokes. I've got a problem with the side of town I live on is near Bruce Road. And they just popped up another what I, I haven't even counted them probably a hundred apartments yeah and the traffic already it's a it's a one lane mess with those traffic circles is this the apartments located next to uh, Bellachinos near near the old Enlow outpatient I know those apartments that yeah. land was vacant for a long time and I looked I asked the guy who was in fact I met one of my clients lately because I called his office to ask about that just for kicks. And they were going to develop it as retail. That right. was their plan back then, which would have been perfect because there's, there's a need for a there. gas station. There's a need for another, I mean, I hate to say Starbucks, but there's a need for coffee and even though there's one there. But that one that's there. Or even a liquor store. Well, there is one there too. <laughs> is there now? But it's, it's, it's a, you don't see it. It's kind of hidden, but it's there. Yeah. But the bottom line is, that street does not need that many more cars. I'm surprised these things get approved with these two-story apartments with that many apartments. You know, I can I can understand that, but the big problem I see is that, you know, it's simple supply and demand. A lot of we have a homeless pop problem in this city in this in California because, you know, multiple reasons, but one of them that we're dealing with in Chico is a lot of our people can't afford houses. I mean, when Paradise burned down, uh, all those people had to go somewhere. Right. Property values shot up. And granted, not having the college and uh, uh, not having the students back because of COVID helps. But, uh, you know, no, when the right. students come back, we need more multi-unit houses. And those do look pretty nice. But, you know, it's a double-edged sword. If we don't have the infrastructure to support it... I'm thinking roads, I'm thinking schools, I'm thinking utilities. Um, we might we might need some more longer-term planning than I think any of us are prepared to, to talk about right now because that costs money too. Well, and I have a technical complaint about traffic circles. <laughs> you want to hear it? You may have never heard this before. All right, let's hear your complaint about traffic yeah, circles, I love I love traffic circles because they keep the traffic moving. Right. But if you need to merge onto that street at 8.30 a.m. when school is going on, right, you can no longer even get into the traffic because there's no stop anywhere stopping anyone. Right. And it's... You it, drive a nice car, Harold? Uh, well, that's why I don't. I choose to drive an old Buick that's, that's that what I don't I, care where I park. I drive a POS. You, know? you realize how nice it is to go to the store and not worry about where you're going to park? Or, yeah, or someone breaking into your car. Yeah. People look at my car. They look at the upholstery for my dogs. They just keep on walking. I roll my windows. Down. Oh, gosh. When are we coming up to a break? Because I have the weirdest story. We'll be there in a minute. We'll be there in a couple of minutes. My old Honda 2004, 2005 Honda Pilot, the back came up while I was driving down the freeway. It opened? It opened. Did you it have was, dogs in the back? I have four dogs in my car. And it opened? And it opened on I'm the sure you freeway. Didn't a, you didn't hit a button. It wouldn't no. allow you to open while no. it's... No. It just boing, and Ooh. I was driving down You don't the, want this to happen to an attorney, no, no, Mr. A, Hon, attorney, Mr. Honda. Attorney nothing. I mean, I didn't want to sue. I just... My dogs could have fallen out on the freeway. Well, that's what I'm saying. I could have lost my iPad. I mean, you know, dogs are more important, but still, you right. know, it's just, and I was driving and I looked and I thought, boy, my back window 
is really clear today. Yeah. I wonder what Did happened. I wash it? <laughs> and that's when I looked. I thought, holy smokes. And all my dogs, I think they knew something was up, too, because they were all. I had never thought of that. That's a dangerous thing, and I've never you know, thought of I it. I mean, a dog hitting your car at 65 miles an hour is going to leave a mark. Ugh. And it's just going to, you know, it's going to totally ruin my day. Because the dogs were smart enough dogs, to stay in the car. Yeah, I know, right? I would have lost money on that. We're on that <sighs> first break. So you have a story coming up? No, that was the story, oh, Harold. Shoot, I'm sorry, man. Now I we could have think told you a little slower I'll, tell you what, I'll let you interview me in a minute. <laughs> Stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back. What are the attributes of God? We know of his mercy and his grace and kindness, love and long-suffering. But what about his justice, his holiness, or even his wrath or judgment? I'm Gary Wilkerson with World Challenge. The generation we're living in, we want to speak about his love, his mercy, his grace. But we're leaving off the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the justice of God, the holiness of God, and the power of God. Then we are missing part of the nature and character of God. Then we are missing things in our own life, missing things in our own heart. We become whole as we see the wholeness of God. I would encourage you to take a look at your favorite attributes of God. I would suggest for most of us, it would be about his love or his mercy, his forgiveness or his grace. Wonderful things. But then take a look at the ones that are missing in your life. Those probably are the ones we need more of in our lives. I'm Gary Wilkerson. If you'd like daily encouragement in your inbox, subscribe to our daily devotional at pray.worldchallenge.org. That's pray.worldchallenge.org. This message reaches a million people or more every week. Spreading the gospel is more than one voice speaking to a million. It is and must continue to be a million voices, each speaking to one, pointing them to our friend Jesus. The Lutheran Hour with Dr. Michael Ziegler. The Lutheran Hour, Saturday and Sunday at 1.30, here on KKXX. Welcome back to Business Buzz. We're here talking with Attorney Scott Hubbard. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies as far as Chico business, so I, I always enjoy him as a good guest. But we've been talking law during the break, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the recent Supreme Court rulings and what they might mean. So why don't you go into some of the ideas about some of those lately? What do you mean, Harold? Well, like the, <laughs> well, like the one about DACA, the one about LBGTQ. The one about the abortion, was that Alabama abortions? Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, where they had a law that said that anyone performing abortions has to be within, uh, must have hospital privileges. Within 30 miles. Yeah, or something, or something like yeah. that. And so it all but eliminated abortion providers in the state. And, you know, regardless of uh, what your views are on abortion, Judge Roberts joined the, uh, joined the liberals and said, we addressed this issue already in this one case. And even though I was a dissenter in it and think it was wrongly decided under uh, stare decisis, which is a fancy fancy legal term for no backsies, we said this is our ruling and we're not taking it back. So um, Judge Roberts in this has turned out to be a major wild card in election year Supreme Court rulings. And do you think it could be that he doesn't want to be too political? That's my theory, is that the last thing, Judge, Judge Robert, Justice Roberts, is an institutionalist at heart. And I can support that, where uh, you don't, the institutions play an important role in keeping our democracy stable. You know, the executive power can't be too big. The uh, legislative power can't be too great. The Supreme Court can't be too great. And so he, he views, he doesn't want to weaponize the Supreme Court. He looks at the institution as being an important one that people have to trust. And if uh, during election year they start making all sorts of uh, conservative-leaning rulings, his fear is that it's going to, the court will lose credibility with 50% of the population. You know, in the interest of this being an entertaining show, yeah. I've got two questions about Supreme Court I'd like you to answer. All righty, let's hear it. Go ahead, Mr. 
I remember you in constitutional law, Harold. So if you're going to ask me, you know. Is, is the, okay, question number one. Is the Chief Justice the John Roberts that's listed in the Epstein airplane records? Boy. To Petto Island. I'm going to say no. Okay, because John Roberts would be a common name. It's so. a very common name. You know, it's it's like Michael Smith. Every every 33 seconds, another Michael Smith is born in the world. Right, so right. okay. <laughs> My second Supreme Court question is: Do you believe Justice Ginsburg is alive? Justice Ginsburg? Yes. Ruth RBG? Yes. Have is you alive. Seen, have you seen her lately? Is alive. Have you seen her lately? Is alive. In January of 2019, Fox News ran a banner that said Ginsburg has passed away at the age of 87 or something, and they removed it immediately and never mentioned it again. And she hasn't been spotted in public. Do you believe she's alive? Just yes or no. Are we seriously having this conversation? The witness will answer the question. You know, I'm sorry, but (laughs) dude... That hat I won't get a yes or no. The hat you're wearing okay. says Corona, but frankly, it might as well be made out of Reynolds wrap. That is such a tinfoil. What the? All right, I knew I, I knew I'd get you on it. Yes, she's that's still alive. I did okay, that's oh, all. Sweet that's baby all I Jesus. wanted to know. Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Oh my goodness! Why would you even think she's dead? It wouldn't be a day with Harold without a couple I conspiracy seen my theories. Aunt in six months. I don't think my cousin's lying to me. You know, how's your mom? She's fine. You know, she could be dead, but probably not. That's one of those things that are really hard to keep under wraps, Harold, especially when you're dealing with a Supreme Court justice. Okay, that was just, I just wanted to keep... Mitch McConnell would have kittens if, if A, first off, if she died, you know he'd be all over it. And Washington, D.C., how do they keep that a secret? Well, uh, it was just a question. I'm thank you for clearing that 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 up for me. Do you seriously think she's dead? Tell me you think she's dead. Honestly, I don't know because I don't – I've stopped believing newspapers about 30 years ago. I mean, y- y- you surprised me with the moon landing when you told me <laughs> that the moon landing was fake. I mean, hand to God, I'm sorry. It's You just, don't have to agree with me. You know, so your theories do surprise me. And okay, I, no, that's know, fine. All but, right. but do you think she's dead? If I had to bet on it, yeah. I'd say yes. You think that, all right, who's covering it up? Because you know President Trump's in the White House. Mitch McConnell controls the Senate. You think the Democrats are, are, are hiding it? It's my theory that there's a lot of things happening that we don't know about, and they can't bring it out immediately. They have to play it cool. Like they did with Judge Scalia. Well. There was nothing cool about Judge Scalia's passing life. No, they, they that that echoed really fast, really far. So, who do you think is covering up Justice Ginsburg's untimely demise? Uh, you know, I'm just not sure. I want to flesh this. Theory I don't want to lose half my audience. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is your audience, dude. <laughs> I'm absolutely positive that this is your audience. <laughs> okay. So let's hear it. Who's who's? No, who's I I honestly it? don't know all the answers. All I know is I've. I've been reading alternative news for 30 years, and I enjoy thinking outside the box. Did you hear in the news that the, um, that European Europe's not letting American I heard that travelers come yeah. because of the coronavirus? I heard that. It's, it's but they're letting other countries. It's us, Russia, and Brazil. Yeah. Now, did you hear that there's a new virus they're saying is coming? Have you heard that one today? No. Yeah, did they're already take, talking about a new virus. Did they take out Shrestha Ginsburg? Oh, <laughs> I don't think when you're that old, I don't think you have to be right. particular crazy. anyway. Who, what's the new virus? I think they're calling it the CCP. The CCP. Chinese Communist Party virus. I saw it mentioned that way. No way. No, I don't know. They, they brought up a new virus today. Well, first off, viruses are really, you know, they're, I hate to say it, but we always get new viruses. Yeah, they're all over the place. You know, yeah. you, you, the bird flu, it's like... You don't need to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing it for us. So what's the new virus and why is it making the rounds? I don't know. All I know is that I'm fortunate, you're fortunate in that our jobs didn't get shut down with this thing. But if I had a bar or a restaurant and I would be very upset when I'm being told I can't operate my business on a, on a 
less than scientific analysis 90% of the time. That's all I'll say. You know, yes and no. Because on one hand, uh, I know a lot of business owners. And I obviously, I'm not going to name names. But uh, not only fan fast food franchise, but also um, sit-down restaurant owners who are doing remarkably well shut down. With takeout and stuff? With, with takeout. And, uh, you know, once the restaurants started opening again, they said, uh, Scott, not only is our takeout still high, but now we have people dining in. The takeout remained the same. So, for example, uh, once the restaurant shut down, takeout went through the roof. And then when restaurants reopen again, uh, takeout still through the roof, but now they're enjoying dining oh, seat, good. seating. Well, that's good to know. I know. And so, you know, I'm seeing this and as a lot of people, a lot of restaurants. Now, granted, I'm not saying this is all restaurants, but for uh, a couple of restaurant owners that I knew, the glass was definitely half full. And I can, I can understand that. Uh, and one of the business models in L.A., excuse me, New York, was to have multiple businesses take out only operate from a single kitchen. So Thai food, Mexican, pizza, uh, Chinese, all of them take out, all of them like four businesses right in a row, and all of them operating off of one kitchen. And one business owner I spoke to uh, last week said that she had always thought that this business model would work in Chica where it was only takeout in one kitchen, handling multiple this seems like something that could work in cheap. Oh, now, but you, nobody's tried that here yet. But not that I know. You know, they don't want to change everything over because of the uncertainty of what's you know going to happen in the next few months. <sighs> yeah, especially in uh, places like Florida and Texas and Arizona. A lot of there's a little bee playing now. Yep, we're gonna have a little, <sighs> God, I hate little break. That bee. We're going to come right back, though. I I saw an interesting lawn sign today I want to talk to you about. Any competent adult 2020? (laughs) Something like that. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. In our walk with the Lord, all of us need role models. Wednesday on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg points to an Old Testament model of integrity, someone we can all follow, It's a practical study of Daniel. Comes up Wednesday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Disagreement among creationists? This is Ken Ham, a publisher of the award-winning family magazine, Answers. I sometimes get asked about the vapor canopy model. Now, this model comes from the idea that a canopy of water vapour used to surround the earth before Noah's flood. Well, over the next couple of days, we're going to look at this idea, but it's important to know that it's okay for creationists to disagree on scientific models. As we'll see tomorrow, the canopy isn't taught in scripture, it's just a model that fallible humans have created. Now, scripture itself is inerrant, so if scripture is clear on something, we always start with that. But the models we build that are based on scripture are subject to change. And that's a really good thing as we learn more about God's creation. There's so much more to discover when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. Be equipped and encouraged with biblical and scientific truth when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Just for a moment, consider how much you pay each month for cable or satellite, video rentals, or for a movie in the theater each month. Or how about each year? And let's be honest, how often do any of these really have positive messages? Now consider that we as a station bring you positive entertainment, encouragement, and ministry 24-7. What is that worth to you? If every listener gave just a few dollars to our program, our ministry would grow exponentially. We would like to thank all of our listeners for financially supporting our teaching and talk program. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me. And my guest, Scott Hubbard. Always interesting to find out about local business and what's happening outside of my office. I mean, I have a lot of clients, but 
I still don't get to really hear a lot about a lot of different. He knows, you know, a lot of people here with all your legal work, right? I know a lot of people here. Period. We moved to Chico in 1975. Wow. How old were you? Four. Whoa. Yeah. So you I pretty much grew up here. Yeah. Parkview. Which Oak. elementary? Parkview. Parkview. Thank you. This is. Oh my God! Why can't I remember my elementary school kindergarten? Mrs. Rath, Rath, Rathcliffe? No. God, isn't it horrible? You got to remember. I know. Now, she what was about one of my your? Did Mar- was Marsh Junior High in for you or not? Oh, no, I Chico Junior. Marsh was Marsh wouldn't be for another twenty some odd years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I keep in remember. mind, I graduated junior high school in nineteen eighty seven. So, oh. how old were you in nineteen eighty seven, Harold? Uh, we don't talk ages here. What were What were you doing in eighty seven, Harold? Come on, tell everyone. Actually, I was moving to Chico, uh-huh. back to Chico to do what? From to- where? From the Bay Area. <laughs> I graduated from Chico State. I went down there and worked. And then I figured out a way to come back. And luckily, my father was kind enough to let me work remotely before it was popular. They didn't have remote Before the then. internet. Yeah. They didn't so, even have fax machines. Work remotely. No, no. They, there was a fax. Was I, there? My first job after college, I worked for a place called SMS, which was Specialized Management Support in Campbell, California. And it was a weird little office. They bought a fax machine in 1980 for $25,000. Holy smokes. So that's about 100000 now. And everybody was amazed to see a piece of paper come through the brand new fax machine. God, and they had that crappy fax machine paper, too. Oh, yeah, that, that horrible, stiff, yeah, rolly stuff. Rolly paper, right? Yeah. You God. had to keep reloading it. Yeah. No, it's pretty amazing how much has happened in the last 30 years. Yeah, and how much how much hasn't changed? Because, you know, I remember when the first, uh, you know, I remember in college when my, ah, fine, when my father, I had faxed my homework to my father to prove it because I was a horrible writer back in college, which is ironic because now. You mean bad handwriting or just no, bad like, writing? Bad writing. No one taught me how to write. No one, college, uh, I didn't learn how to write until I became a lawyer. And I started thinking, well, you know, I can't keep asking my father to proof my homework right. or proof my briefs. So I started taking all the writing classes I could get my hands on, uh, just practical writing classes. And it, you, know, you could have your dad proof your briefs and your mom press your briefs. My mom never pressed briefs. My mom was the type <laughs> of person. I came back from college. My mom, I asked her, where's dinner? Because you know, I, I moved back home to go to law school. I said, where's dinner? And my mom looked at me and said, Scott, you are 20-some-odd years old. You've graduated four years of college, uh, or you've taken four years of college. You're about to start law school. You know where my purse is. Just reach into my purse, grab some money, and go order your own meals. I'm not cooking you anything anymore. Well, that's that's, I know, that's right? pretty it's- nice. That's <laughs> I was expecting it to be cook your own meal. I know, right? And that actually, the first time I cooked a meal at home, it was, I was so used to cooking for one, uh, I only cooked enough food for one. And so my dad asked me, what's for dinner, Scott? And I said, spaghetti. He said, great, where is it? And I said, this is it, because I only had made enough for one person. (laughs) And that's when I, you know, these little things that you figure out when you go go away to college are entertaining, like don't put dishwash, don't put dish soap, soap in the dishwashing machine right that was probably the first thing you learned the right. first thing i learned hey, did you spend all four years at santa cruz where no, did you I get your spent two years at santa cruz. where was your undergrad from at santa cruz santa cruz yeah but where'd I, you go from i went to um saddleback community college oh and i know that? uh mission viejo california oh and i know uh, southern california for people who don't have a map right in front of them um and I, I have to say, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of push for high schoolers to go to a good, a good four-year school right out of high school. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and germs, that you don't need to do that. It is, when I went to Saddleback Community College, it was probably one of the best, not only did I get a good education, it was one of the best times in my life. Because did you live in a dorm there? Or did no, you I lived commute? in an apartment and uh, swam two years. With, oh. There was uh, an Olympic swim coach who uh, 
had trained, he could tell you the number of Olympians he trained just the same way I could tell you how many published opinions I have. Uh, he trained Olympians and then he realized getting older that that's not what really made him happy. What made him happy was training people who didn't know how to swim. Wow. You know, the, the, he said watching someone drop so much time learning how to swim and giving them instructions. And uh, I, I swam for him for two years and I learned just an insane amount about, uh, about swimming. And when I was done with that, when I, my two years were up, I applied to four-year institutions and I got accepted to UC Berkeley, and uh, which was like, you know, wow, this is phenomenal. UC Berkeley has a, a great reputation. So I showed up and I moved into the dorms, and um, that's when I realized that UC Berkeley today, and my say today, I mean 2020, wasn't, wasn't, well, actually, let's rephrase that. The, 2000, the UC Berkeley from 1992 isn't the same UC Berkeley you see today. I would hear uh, gunshots outside my dorm every night. Oh, yeah. On like, campus? Uh, well, Right campus, next to campus? Neighborhoods. Right. And so it was, it, was, it was something to get used to. And it was something that once I did get used to it, I realized UC Berkeley wasn't the school that I... I thought it was, or the school that I wanted to go to. But you weren't there to swim. You were there no. for academics. But I did rowing. Oh. I did crew at UC Berkeley. Oh, I was wow. on the lightweight rowing team. And uh, to this day, I can, uh, with a little bit of training, I am like within 12, maybe 15 seconds of an Olympic qualifying time. Whoa. Yeah. I'm like almost 50. And it's just one of those muscle memory things that once you learn how to do it, and if you had uh, the strength, and with my uh, running background, I had phenomenal leg strength. And just as my uh, crew instructor said, you used to be a swimmer, so I know you have a brain in your head. It was just one of those uh, things that it just came naturally to me. Do you still swim regularly? I don't, but I still have a rowing machine in my uh, downstairs and I still, and I still run. Uh, I run on old honey run, which apparently is an abandoned, you know, when they put in honey run, there was an old honey run on the other side of, of that followed Skyway. Okay. And so, um, my house. Is this near the old, uh, Burton's Mesa area? You know where that is? No, but it's next to yeah. an old quarry that used to be next to, uh, Butte Creek Canyon. And is that, near, is that come off of that Spanish gardens area? It does. And because when I was in school here in the late 70s, my dad and some friends of his that worked near here would come up and visit, and we would go to Burton's Mesa for dinner. And it oh, was a, yes, 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 that restaurant. Yeah. yeah, always wanted to go there. It was awesome. Now, yeah. the building was still there up till what, 20 building, years? building's still there. I it think is? They, I think they just turned it into a house. Oh, okay. You know, because I can't really see it from the road. It, you can see it. Can I, I remember that that restaurant. I always wanted my father to take it me to that restaurant. It was an awesome restaurant. See, with that's the view. not helping. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Sorry, Scott. He wasn't going to take his, his 10-year-old to go. But, yeah, it's straight down. And so uh, there's like a mile of abandoned old honey run. Is it gra there. gravel road? Or? No, it's paved. Paved? It's really nice. No, it is, no vehicles. It is a great place if you just. Uh, kind of like old Humboldt Road is cool. It's getting more are they shutting it off? They're sealing off old, you know, I mean, granted, it took them about 40 years because people have been running, uh, leaving their crap up there. Oh, like dumping off dumping mattresses off and for, stuff? For yeah. ages, forever. Well, that was where my fraternity did their initiation night. Oh, my night was on Old Humboldt. Really? Yeah. And uh, cars I, would come by every now and then, like couples that were heading yeah. up to the hills. Yeah. It's, it is, it was. Kind of a scary place. Yeah. I don't know about scary. I grew up on Old Humboldt, you know, just running up it for exercise. So Old Humboldt's never been particularly scary to me. But, boy, when you say uh, someone who's grown up here, like, for example, someone's car broke down. And so I had to tell uh, – they had a flat tire, so I had to tell Big O Tires where, where, the, where the car is located. And they said, where is it? And the guy who was, who was taking it, his name was Monty. Monty and I went to high school together. And so I said – well, you know, it's at that one tree about a mile down from where we used to party underneath the 
And he knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> hey, what? So you went to Parkview. Did you grow up like in the same house for a long time? I did. What neighborhood was Shannon that? Shannon Court. What, we, what's that? Right Sh- off of Forest Forest Creek Circle and Forest Avenue. Okay, they put that's that, like a subdivision. Right? They put that were in. Were they when, new at that time? They were. Oh. And we were. It was one of uh, my father bought that number five Shannon Court. I think he paid seventy five thousand dollars for that house. Wow. Three bedroom, two bath. Right. Perfect and, for a growing family. You know, and so we had a pool in back. I mean, it, it couldn't have been any more uh, leave it to beaver if if we had planned it. I mean, right. it was it was different back then. Chico was different back then. You know, only 35,000 people, I think. Yeah, I remember it was always around 40 on the signs when I, w- I was here in the late 70s. Yeah, going to and school. so it, they, you, tell, you tell people, well, that was the 70s. You know, you could get away with things like that. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it wasn't at all like it is now. Like littering or, you know, going fishing with your kid and letting him drink the beers, too. Did you ever hear the stories or did you attend any dances at Oddfellows? No, but I was at the Ranch of Junior Day Riot. we got our <laughs> last break of the day coming up. We're going to be back for the final segment. i got to talk about Oddfellows. We'll be right back. <laughs> This is Pastor Chris Kinson. I want to let you know that we at Community Church of God are meeting in person in our church once again. Uh, Every other pew has been roped off. Things have been sanitized. We have masks. And there's plenty of room for social distancing. So if you'd like to come to a church service, come visit us at 1095 East Avenue, Chico, California. Our program is called Your Message for Today and will be broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are 11 a.m. Sundays. Come and worship with Community Church of God. And may God richly bless you. God bless you. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending part of your afternoon with me and... I've got Attorney Scott Hubbard here. We always like talking about Chico things. And I had to bring up Oddfellows because we were talking about the fact that people talk about, well, in the 70s, it was different. And it really was. The reason I bring up Oddfellows was I was living in Whitney Hall. And I was 18 when I started. I was in my second year. I was only 18. I was one of those early grads because when I was in kindergarten, I knew all 50 state capitals, and my mom made sure the teacher knew that. So I ended up skipping. I ended up skipping kindergarten, going straight into first grade, and it was a combined first and second grade class. And I was doing the second grade math workbook as a kindergartner because my mom made sure I was an overachiever, and she made sure to let everybody know that. The reason I say all that is that I'm just prefacing it with: I was 18. I was in my second year of college. I moved into Whitney Hall, and the rumor had it on a Friday night that there was a dance at this place called Oddfellows. Turns out it's the place on Garner Lane. As you go down Garner, it's on your left, maybe a quarter mile from the 99, somewhere around there. And it amazed me because here are all these 18-year-old kids from the dorm listening to a loud, and it was live music back then. It wasn't a DJ. It was live band music playing Doobie Brothers, 
And for your $1, I think, or $2 admission, it was all the beer you could drink out of kegs. What year is this? This is in 75. (sighs) And I was amazed because my first thought was, okay, there's got to be some kind of police or sheriffs involved with this scheme because they could have come and arrested so many kids driving drunk leaving that place. I didn't do it, but um, how could you get away with that? It, it was famous. I mean, it was every couple of weeks there was an odd fellows dance, and all the under-21 kids were drinking. I was shocked. I was shocked, I tell you. <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> I'm what, just saying it was famous back then. When did, when did they bump it up to 21, the alcohol consumption It's loss? been 21 in California forever. Nationally, they did that about 80-something, I think, or 90 I mean, but no, it, it's been California's been forever. It was, I'm, you know, were things better? Were things worse? I know that nothing's quite as rose colored as we remember it. I mean, politicians weren't honorable when we were growing up. Things weren't better quality when we were growing up. It was just, you know, teenagers didn't respect their parents growing up. It was always these problems. But. Yeah, those basic problems. But I, I honestly believe one thing that's weird is and probably same for you but when i was a kid we were outside playing baseball or football every day of the year that we weren't at school and we'd have to move when the cars came yeah and in my 30 years of working in the same office and driving from well, i've had two different houses that i live in but i believe in 30 years of my driving back and forth to work at least a couple times a day cuz chico's small enough you can go home for lunch right i think i've interrupted maybe two little ball games in the street in 30 years. Yeah. What, I mean, are the kids really sitting around on the internet when they're eight years old? Mine are. are my, they? my little girl is on the internet at uh, two o'clock in the morning. But my, does, she, does she also do athletics or school sports or anything? She's, you know, none, my, my son does. My oldest daughter would be a fantastic swimmer if I could just get her to get out of her room. Uh, and my youngest one, she's she's the you know she's the genius, and uh, she doesn't do sports, but she does all her homework, so I can't really complain. If but she they wants. stay physically fit and everything, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. My you son. have three. You have three, right? That I know of. What are their eight <laughs> that you claim? Uh, what are, what, are, no, what are two that I claim? What, what are their ages? Uh, 16, 13, and ten. Wow. I know, right? My hands are full. Wow. Or, Fortunately, my oldest daughter, who's who's the looker, she has daddy's personality. So, uh, obviously, not his looks. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> so she she basically stays stays in in her room and just doesn't like socializing. So I get that one. But my youngest one, oh goodness gracious me, she is. You know how the water pulls out before a tsunami comes slamming into the right, shore. Right. I look at her and I just watch the water pulling out. It's like. Oh, I'm in so much trouble. Because she hangs out with her 15-year-old cousin. So she's got, what, the outgoing personality or something? She lies very well. And she's very smart. Smart enough to keep her her lies straight. And God help you if you mess with this little girl. So are you concerned about her being a teen later and uh, dating or something? I'm or? worried about her hot wiring my car and driving to Tijuana with her boyfriend next week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dad, this is Larry. I met him on the internet. We're going down to Tijuana. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one, that one scares the bejesus out of me. Now, what about you? your 13-year-old? That's the son, right? No, my 13-year-old you is... You have three the, girls? No, I have... Well, he's pretty girly, but oh. no, my Joshua, he's 16 now. Oh, so you have a boy and two younger boy sisters? Boy and two girls. Oh, okay. And I got that mixed up. Joshua, um, you know, it's a curious mix. There's a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where Calvin's talking to her, his mom, and he says, Mom, did you know that the amount of uh, that mass can actually bend space-time, so it actually curves space, and that's what draws uh, light into a star? Pretty cool, huh? Just gravity. And speaking of gravity, I spilled a pitcher of lemonade while trying to roll a roller skate across the kitchen. Sorry about that. Bye. And my boy is that curious mix of genius and just what are you thinking? Because he can, he will conference call uh, PS4 tech support in India with uh, Xfinity 
streaming online internet people conference in to try and get his video game working and figure out why his 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 game is lagging like two percent but i can't convince the kid not to be on his phone while working at the gas station or you know unload the dishwasher or you know <laughs> something like that it's so like he did, but he works for a station right huh he does, does. He work for a station? he actually works at our you know i i give my son joshua uh, a lot of hard time a, a lot I'm, I am not a forgiving father, but I give him a lot of credit, too. And when push comes to shove, that kid goes down to my gas stations, and he has a job. He's 16 years old. He puts in, uh, he works part-time at our station when he needs money. Great. And I tell him, he said, Dad, I need money. Great. Go down to the station and work. So all three of your children have good grades and everything, right? Audrey does. Uh, Joshua does. Um, we love Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> That says it all. Yeah, Carrie, like I said. Is that Carrie, the 10-year-old? Yeah, 13-year-old. Oh, and 13. What grade is that these days? About 8th or something? She's starting ninth grade. She is. She's she going are. to PV? She's going to core. And she's oh. going to do homes, homeschooling. But oh. I didn't have good grades growing up. My grades uh, in high school looked like a 747 landing at SFO. It's just they just slowly kept getting lower and lower and lower. Well, Bell, when I graduated from high school, it took a 3.0 to get into UC and a 2.0 to get into a state university. And nowadays, if you don't have like a 4.5. 5.0, because now they have like. AP classes get a 5, yeah. Yeah, and it's just weird. It's cutthroat, too. It is, and you don't. You don't need it. That's the part that you don't just, need it for real life. But you, you need it if you want to go to a certain school. No, because you could still transfer in from Butte oh, College. Right. If you do the Butte thing, you can get into yeah. all the good colleges and get good grades. You know, go to Butte College. Go go take GE classes, and then figure out what classes transfer to the school that you well, want. See, your junior college experience, you were living out of the house, going to GAC. I was. A lot of people here live at home for the finances and then they drive to Butte or go to the Butte Chico. My thing was when my son was out of high school, we just felt like he's got to get out and experience things. So he did the four years at UC Santa Cruz, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had more than one child because it's too expensive. Oh yeah. And nowadays uh, with so many kids going online, you know, distance education is a very real uh, now thing. it's going to be the main, the norm from yeah. now on. Well, probably. they're going to try, but yeah, you can't, you can't. T- First off, distance distance education is phenomenal for schools, public universities, because you don't need the the infrastructure, right. the, the building, the expense, the expense of doing that. If you could do it online, where the lectures are recorded and and yada yada yada. Now a lot of the top schools, Stanford, Harvard, they're really fighting that and. I, because this is, they want. They want the old way. This is a quality education. You can't get a quality education online. I disagree with that. But you know what? There is a certain degree of, of uh, college experience that you don't get online. Right. That's you know? the thing I think people would miss because my son played four years of sports and really did well. At UC Santa Cruz? Yeah. They had sports. It w- tennis. Ultimate they, Frisbee? Did he no, do Ultimate Frisbee? No, he, he did tennis. <sighs> but it's Division Three. Yeah. So he could also do academics along with his sports. That loud. And it was a great thing because he made a lot of friends and um, they just had a great time. I could do swimming at UC Santa Cruz because it was Division Three. Right. I'm not a fast swimmer. No, and Division One, the you're owned by the college. You don't have a life when you're Division One. Even Division Two. Yeah. Division Two is is real cutthroat now. Right. But Division Three. Division Three is the perfect man, and there aren't that many public schools. In Division Three, Santa Cruz is a little bit special on that. Yeah, and it was it was as a uh, I didn't you know it was fun. It, yeah, and so many of our kids, we don't let them be have fun anymore. College, you know, the Animal House days are gone because you know the the black car in a train, you know, souped up like a tank when it comes out starts ramming into people now you're looking at property damage right. and and personal injury and lawsuits and the I, city I gotta of ask you if you want to hear <laughs> if you want to hear my favorite line from animal house and if you know the movie you'll know exactly the scene let's hear it thank you god yeah i know it actually and 
funny story. I'll, I'll do a PS on that one. Uh, the kid who, who said, thank you, God, wound up being a Christian minister. Now, was he also the kid who ended up doing Amadeus and getting a, an a, a Academy Award? No. That was another one. That was a different player. No, this, he, that was his one role in a movie, and for whatever reason, he... Uh, he ended up being a Christian He actually minister? being wound up speak, giving, giving talks about, about Christ and Christianity, and, and you know, I'm sure it had something to do that's with that. That's great trivia. I know, right? <laughs> I never would have guessed. Well, that's what happened. They did an Animal House marathon. Uh, where oh, so they, you learned all the trivia? Where they just started, you know, it was like three hours where they brought the actors back who were still alive and, and you know, started talking about making the movie, which was up in Oregon. Is that where they made it? And yeah, funny in story. Eugene or something? I don't know the city, but here's a funny story. The um, They were shopping around the script and they needed a college town to do it in. And the colleges would read, the presidents of the university would read the script to say, Wormer. and they say, <laughs> no, you're not making this movie at our, our college. No, no, not now, not Chico ever. Chico would have been perfect. Yeah, well, so they, they go up to Oregon. And God, I can't remember the name of the city, but um, whatever it was in Oregon, they go up to this college and they hand, they, they say, Corvallis? Dude, if I didn't remember it before, you start yeah. randomly shouting right. out words. I'm not going to remember after. All right. So they go up to this to this president, and they said, we'd like to make this movie here. Here's a copy of the script. And he said, no, I don't need to read it. Go ahead and make your movie here. <laughs> and they said, what? Are, are you sure you don't want to read this script? He said, no, because I'll tell you why. I had a chance to make The Graduate here. And they turned it And down. I read the script and I said, no, no, I'm not going to have you make that movie at my college. And it was such a fantastic a movie. Huge hit. And I Ber- decided, Berkeley got it. Yeah. He said, I said, he, the guy said, I decided then and there, I don't know what a good movie script looks like. And so <laughs> I'm just. That was best picture. He and, turned yep, it down. And he said, I, if you guys want to go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so if you go right ahead. And so they made a movie there. All right. Well, we're up to the... KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico. This hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. The Trump administration is urging that schools and colleges reopen in the fall. At a White House gathering, parent Jenny Bath Martin, the co-founder of Tea Party Patriots, says young kids need to be in school. Kindergartners and elementary school students simply cannot learn looking at a Zoom screen. If they could, we wouldn't need schools in the first place. We could just plop them in front of a television. While Education Secretary Betsy DeVos says schools should not plan to have students only show up for classes a few days a week. It's clear our nation's schools must fully reopen and fully operate this school year. Anything short of that robs students not to mention taxpayers of their futures. Meanwhile, more than 200 scientists have called for the World Health Organization and others to acknowledge that the coronavirus can spread in the air, a change that could alter some of the current measures being taken to stop the pandemic. The WHO's Benedetta Allegranzi. We believe that we have to be open uh, to this evidence and understand its implications regarding the modes of transmission and also regarding the precautions uh, that uh, uh, need to be taken. The WHO has long maintained that COVID-19 is spread via larger respiratory droplets, most often when people cough or sneeze, that fall to the ground. It's dismissed the possibility of airborne transmission except for certain high-risk medical procedures. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro said Tuesday he's tested positive for COVID-19. He said that he had begun to feel ill on Sunday, confirmed that he was taking the anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine and said he was now feeling fine, that he had mild symptoms. BBC correspondent Katie Watson reporting. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 396 points, the Nasdaq dropped 89, the S&P 500 lower by 34. More on these stories at townhall.com.
Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. Bail is set at $1.2 million for the man police say drove around parked cars and into protesters on a closed Seattle highway, killing one and seriously injuring another. It happened over the July 4th weekend. Police say Dewat Kilit, who is black, drove his Jaguar into a group marching with the Black Lives Matter movement who were protesting racial inequality and police violence. The whole thing caught on video, including by one of the people that was hit. Khalid's lawyer tells the Associated Press the crash was a horrible accident and not intentional. John Henry Brown says there's absolutely nothing political about this case whatsoever and that his client was in tears. Summer Taylor died at the hospital. Diaz Love suffered serious injuries. I'm Julie Walker. Levi says it'll cut 700. 700-